Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm, so good. Today is Tuesday, January 8th, and it is release day for Warrior of the World. Woohoo! Book three in the Chronicles of Desneria trilogy. And I know I said I was going to podcast today, but then I thought, hey, why not do a little uh, release day reading? So I thought I'd read to you from the beginning of the book, um, skipping the prologue. There is a prologue in this book. Don't you love that after I was complaining about prologues um, that my editor insisted that I write? Uh, but we're not going to read that. It was to catch people up on what had happened so far. And I guess I'm, I know there are people who pick books up midway through a series, but I always think that if you read the third book in a trilogy and you can't figure out what's going on, it's because you didn't read the first two books. But whatever, I I do try to be agreeable despite uh, evidence to the contrary. (laughs) And amusingly enough, this book starts out with a despite. So, chapter one, Warrior of the World. Despite the rain, I went to see the elephants, especially F.A. It was the, yeah, in the endless downpour, it hardly mattered what I put on. Whatever it was became soaked within moments. I'd finally adopted the habit of the Nyamburans, wearing light fabrics that at least didn't hang on me like iron manacles with the weight of all that water. When I returned to the house, I'd then hang them next to one of the fired clay stoves, switching them out for another set. It gave me an excuse to sit quietly and try to recover my strength and wind while hanging on to my pride. Perhaps I fooled no one with my attentiveness to drying my clothes, especially as nothing ever seemed to dry completely. Even O'Chang's elaborate descriptions hadn't done the rainy season justice. It poured nonstop, day and night. Below the granite butte the Ditembo house perched upon, the river swelled until it seemed to fill the entire valley. No longer shining bright like a polished sword, it lay gray and sullen, deceptively still, until debris sweeping downstream revealed the lethal currents that tumbled them past, a great beast masticating its treasures as it carried them away. Though I felt naked without my leathers, I'd given them up as too impractical in the pervasive damp. I'd even stopped wearing the vambraces, which had always been more to cover up the scars on my wrists from my wedding bracelets. I wouldn't say I no longer cared who saw them, but they were certainly no longer secret. All the detembos knew what I came from and what had happened to me, another reason not to bother with pride, though I couldn't seem to help myself. There seemed to be very little I could control about myself. I hadn't picked up my knives and swords since I'd returned either. I didn't trust myself with a sharp weapon. Slipping out of my little room, I let the sodden curtains hanging in place instead of tying them back so it wouldn't be obvious I wasn't within. Though I'd given up my vow of silence and of chastity, though I'd yet to do anything there beyond giving up the silver disc of the promise. 
I didn't often feel like talking to people. You'd think I'd have a lot of words dammed up inside me, like the debris in the river fighting to race to the sea. But once I'd told O-Cheng my story, I didn't seem to have much left to say. Or, more precisely, nothing I felt comfortable articulating. Back to that pride, the legacy of my mother, a curse I perversely treasured for its cool familiarity. I'd killed Rodolph, my now late husband, in a blur of blood and violence I barely remembered, but that hadn't killed the hatred he'd planted in me. As my body healed from that brutal battle, all of my fear and pain gained life again too. Sometimes it overcame me, the rage, terror, the many-faced emotion that flashed like a fire no amount of rain could quench. Sometimes I thought another person lived inside me. Perhaps Imperial Princess Jenna, daughter of Empress Holda, the most ruthless bitch in the Desnarian Empire, hadn't become Ivarial. Perhaps I might have I might have created Ivariel, warrior priestess of Danu, but she only provided a calm shell over the dark face of Jenna. Jenna, who couldn't seem to stop hating and whom I couldn't seem to control. The antechamber was empty as usual, since my room sat on a less frequented edge of the many-tiered house, and I moved silently through it and down the woven grass steps few people besides me used, suppressing a groan at the aching protest of my body. Amazing how simple movements like going down steps made my abdomen protest and my always strong legs tremble with weakness. I thought I'd endured pain before and understood it, had conquered it. But those had been mostly surface pains from flogging and my late husband's rough attentions mostly skin-deep except in my woman's passage, which was meant to open to the outside anyway. These wounds had penetrated through layers of tissue and muscle and organs deep inside me, hindering my smallest movements, pointed reminders that I should be dead. With determination, ignoring the pain, I descended the slow steps to the terrace, when I'd arrived in the dry season, the large de Tiambo clan had spent most of their time on the big low-walled terrace that overlooked the river. These days it mostly held puddles of rainwater. One of my young students, Ayala, and her brother Femi used long-handled tools to push water that collected in the corners and deeper indentations over the edge of the terrace. It seemed like an exercise in futility to me, but all the kids took turns doing it maybe to keep them occupied as much as anything. Ayala spotted me and waved, a cautious gesture, her normal ebullience carefully muted. They were all careful with me. I could hardly blame them. She and my other students were anxious, I knew, to resume lessons with me. I also knew their parents had spoken firmly with them that they should not ask me, that I needed time to get strong again. The first 18 years of my life had been spent in the seraglio of the Imperial Palace, where the ladies all honed eavesdropping to a fine art. The de Tiembos, with their curtain walls and privacy that existed only via courtesy, could hardly keep secrets from me. 
I smiled at Ayla, but quickly turned away so she wouldn't get the wrong idea. If only I could go down the cliff steps. However, exactly as Ochen had predicted, the lower levels had been swept away even before I managed to escape my sickbed for the first time. So I went around, skirting the edge of the terrace rather than going through the house, making my way to the back side where the covered steps descended to the storehouses. Ivariel, O'Chang stepped out from a room I passed, his lean, sma- lean face smooth, his dark eyes full of concern. Going to visit the elephants, he asked. I nodded, then remembered I should give him words, since he seemed to crave them from me. Yes, is that all right? A slight line formed between his brows. Of course, this is your home. You may do anything you wish. I simply thought to offer to go with you. You don't have to, I replied, my gaze going through the opening leading to the steps. I had been so close. I'm sure you have other things to do. He laughed, though not in a genuine way. It's the rainy season. Nobody has anything to do that they haven't done dozens of times already. I'll go with you because it felt churlish and ungenerous of me to refuse. I nodded and continued walking, O-Chiang falling in beside me. How are you feeling today? he asked me. I never knew how to answer this question. Better, I said, as I usually did. Not an untruth. I certainly felt better than I had when I first awoke in the De Tiembo home, swathed in bandages with no idea why I was there instead of dead. One day, I wanted to feel again as I had before my 18th birthday. Before any of this occurred, I missed feeling limber and vital and beautiful. I hadn't appreciated what a blessing those things were when I had them. Now I would value, now that I would value them as precious gifts, I'd suspected I'd lost those, too, forever. You're moving less stiffly, O-Chang observed. We reached the steps going down the rock face, and I clung to the handrail. At least here the grass roof kept most of the rain off. The steps, also woven of dried and cured grasses, acted like a sieve, so water didn't collect on them. They gave slightly under our weight, though, which made my internal muscles clench painfully as they worked to keep me balanced. Keenly aware that O-Chang watched me, I tried my best not to show it. He, his mother Zalaika, and all of the Ditembo clan, but mostly those two, had taken care of me, nursing me back to health. I had nothing but gratitude for their diligence, and yet... Perhaps I was not a person who did gratitude well. I was thinking, O-Chin continued, moving far slower than his usual athletic speed, pacing himself to match my measured progress, that it might be good for you to practice your martial forms again, easy movements, to build up your strength. And confidence, he didn't say, but my mind supplied the words. They're really just dances, I replied, aware of the flat resistance in my voice. I told you that. I'm a dancer and nothing more. Kaja, my voice broke on her name. 
I'd found out about Kaja's death only moments before the warning arrived on the same caravan, as if they carried all the terrible news in one of their wagons, that my late husband's men had followed me all the way to Nyambura. I hadn't had time to properly mourn her, wasn't even sure what form that might take. Losing her felt like another felt like yet another deep dwelling wound, one that ached, swamping me with misery at odd times. O Cheng set a hand on the small of my back, a brief touch, and I realized I'd stopped. We could visit the elephants later, he said softly. No. <clears throat> I resumed walking, ignoring his almost inaudible sigh for my stubbornness. I might have lied when I said better. Yesterday's descent had been easier than today's so far. It made no sense why some days my body hurt more than others. But ever since I'd first made it down the steps to see Efe, Violet, and the other elephants, I'd made sure to go every day, even if it ended up being the only thing I did all day, which it often was, particularly after the long ascent. Anyway, I know I told you, they're not really martial forms. Kaja taught me to hold a weapon while I did the dances I already knew because she didn't have time to teach me the real stuff. I'm not really a warrior priestess of Danu at all. Nothing like she was. He let that go, as he had every time I brought it up. Dances, then. Maybe it's time to try those. It's too rainy. We can make a space inside. We finally reached the storehouse level, where the rain sheeted off the grass sheaves at the top of the immense three-story structure. People waved to us and called greetings. They tended the small fires distributed throughout to keep the damp from setting into the stored goods. Hart, who had traveled with us on the robin from Ehas, called a hello to me as we passed. He was using a long pick to sift the big piles of hay, airing the stuff so it didn't mold, earning his keep, as I was not. I stopped at the bins of fruit, selecting some favorites for my girls. Oh, Jane, I said as soon as we were alone again. I don't want to dance. Why not? He sounded genuinely curious. Can you explain to me? I couldn't. The thought of even trying made me feel weary, more than the physical exhaustion of just getting to ground level. The red soil had become thick mud, carved into channels of fast-flowing streams. Barefoot, I stepped off the platform into it, sinking up to my ankles, feeling as if it would suck me down entirely, and I still had to go back up again. Efe had spotted me, though. She'd been waiting for me to appear and came galloping through the rain. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Waving her trunk in the air in elephantine celebration, she slowed as she reached me, wrapping her trunk gently around my head in her version of an embrace. Efe and I had started a friendship before the battle where I killed my late husband. But since then, we seem to have developed a special bond. O Cheng had told me that Efe had insisted on coming with them when the Ditimbo fighters mounted up to rescue me, though she wasn't trained for battle. 
rescued only a year before in a difficult case, Efei resisted training. Even Ocheng, master trainer, hadn't been able to cling to her back for more than a few moments. When they'd rallied and equipped the fighting elephants, they'd tried to make her stay back, but short of restraining her, which they'd never do, particularly to Efei, they couldn't persuade her. She came with the others, and she'd found me, then curled around my back while I thought I lay dying, dreaming of elephants thundering around me. I knew in my head that Ochiang, the Ditembos, and the battle elephants had saved me, but in my heart it had been Efe. She started dragging at me, pulling me toward the elephant shelter and out of the rain. Efe didn't much like the constant downpour, hunching in it miserably as, it atta- as if it attacked her. I went along, largely because when an elephant decides, decides she'd like you to go somewhere, you went. But also because I liked it in the elephant shelter, out of the rain, and pressed in with the big beasts. Ocheng naturally came along, greeted with enthusiasm by Violet and the others. Efe snaked her trunk over me, waffling and sniffing until she found the fruit I'd stuck in my pockets. I rescued a melon for Violet, who plucked it from my hand with all the grave dignity befitting the matriarch, then let Efe root out the rest. With a happy sigh, I felt myself relax. Ocheng glanced at me, raising his brows, inviting me to speak. I feel good here, I told him. It's part of why I want to come visit the elephants, even though it's difficult for me. He nodded. And the dancing? The thought of even trying to dance or picking up a blade had my stomach clenching, so I lifted a shoulder and let it fall in a Desnarian shrug of dismissal. You know, Ocheng had picked up a brush, circling it over Violet's broad forehead, and she closed her eyes in ecstasy. I used to think that if only I could hear you speak, I'd understand you better. And now, I made myself ask. He glanced at me over his shoulder. Now I wonder if I'll ever understand you at all. So there's chapter one. Chapter one of Warrior of the World out today at all of your favorite retailers. How's that for my marketing plug? Um, The buy links aren't all on my website because I'm going through contortions on the website. I'm having a lot of trouble with my web designer right now. So uh, that's how it goes. So it goes. But anyway, if you can't find a buy link that you're looking for, ping me on social media. You, you all know how to find me, and I will get that to you. But it should be pretty easy to look for. Warrior of the World, Chronicles, Chronicles of Desneria Trilogy by Jeffy Kennedy. And with that... I shall go on my way and get to work on the book that needs to be written. Hope you all have a fantastic Tuesday. Happy release day to all the other fantastic authors out there with books coming out today. There seems like a long list. And uh, I will talk to you all, if not tomorrow, on Thursday. Bye-bye.